Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Orange is the New Black, Season 5, Episode 1 is over. But we're just getting started on post-show recaps. My name is Jessica Lease, and here with me, as always, is this sweet to my savory, uh, the one and only Taylor Cotter. Hello, Taylor. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jess. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm got my whole podcasting tablescape set up and I'm ready to dive into everything that's going on as we kick off season five. Um, and honestly, the season premieres, they can be a little bit, it's a little bit of a letdown after the huge cliffhanger we ended on last season. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. And uh, this is our fourth season podcasting orange is new black and i think um for a long time especially when it started i was very defensive of the show like i didn't want to criticize it because uh i thought what they were doing just period was so revolutionary and interesting that it was kind of above sort of the criticism of normal television and i don't really feel like that anymore and i think that uh there's uh there's good parts and bad parts to this show and i think uh this season premiere kind of uh, illuminated quite a few of them. I feel like, yeah, the show is like a friend. Like we Mm -hmm. started watching it. We were getting to know it and we felt like, oh, we really love being around this show and we're learning so much about it and we just want to know more and more. And it's a very intense relationship at first. And now we've relaxed. We are comfortable with this show enough that we can like tell it how it is and we can make fun of it and kind of bust its balls a little bit. And so I think I think that's what we're about to do here is we're going to bust some balls here. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that. Um, So the narrative arc of this first episode is kind of we ended on this really intense moment last season. Like for those of you who have forgotten everything that happened in the past year, uh, we ended last season on this kind of confrontation in the hallway. It was about to become a sort of race riot and In the middle of all of this, there's Judy King and Humps and McCullough and Humps, who I think we need to talk about Humps for a minute. I think we need to remind everybody exactly who he is and what he has done. Uh, Yeah, I I'm up for the refresh because uh, I and I'm, you know, uh, for those of you that have stuck with us, I'm can be cursory on the season to season details and. I remember this guy as uh, he forced Maritza to eat the mouse. I remember that because I was traumatized by it. Um, And I remember just kind of the overall inexperienced CO force being generally terrible. But I don't remember any other details about him. Well, I think I think forcing the mouse thing, the main thing (laughs) that was kind of the main thing. But he also um, and this is we get a call back to this at the very end of the episode. He also forced Suzanne and Maureen to fight each other. Mm. 
And it was very clear that he was sort of a sociopath who really shouldn't have been put into a position of authority. Like that was clear kind of from the beginning, but then we sort of got to know exactly what a terrible person he was over the course of last season. And so that's where we are at the beginning of this season. He is on his knees in the hallway with with Daya pointing a gun at his head. Yeah, the Suzanne and Maureen thing, honestly, like when it got to the end, I was like, why are they there? I was like, are they going to explain that? And so I think there's and this uh, kind of uh, comes to probably my biggest criticism is uh, a lot going on here. Like and I think um, in the sense that like uh, I think the biggest thing from my mind from the end of last season was like the Pousset death, which obviously sparked all this and was the uh, like the jumping off point. But in my mind, like still pretty fresh. And then in the show, uh, not super discussed. And we jump right into Daya and Humps. Yeah, I think they kind of assume. And again, this is yeah. down to how this show is structured. And I think this is another thing that makes the show revolutionary. Like we've talked a lot about the subject matter and about the social consciousness and about how this is such a great show because it tells women's stories from marginalized groups. But narratively, I think the thing that's so amazing about this show is that it is designed for you to sit down and watch all 13 hours of every season in one go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's basically it's a it's a 13, 14 hour movie. And so they're kind of assuming that if you're arriving at this point at any point in time other than tomorrow, you have gone from the end of season four straight into season five. And I think that's what they're assuming here is that yeah. you're a binger and you finished and you're going right back in. Yeah, I that makes sense. And uh, for me, it's kind of just like what uh, what are the big takeaways from, you know, last season spiraling into here? So a lot of the details get lost. And, you know, I am admittedly not the strongest serialized TV watcher for that very reason. Yeah, I mean, they hit up everybody and they got what everyone's doing. And but uh, yeah, I probably could have stood to rewatch at least the, the last couple episodes of last season. Yeah, it was it was hard to get back into it, I think. Um, yeah. And for that reason, like this is a show we think about once a year. And then, right. you know, as soon as we finish talking about this for the season, we'll basically go back to not talking about it until next June. Yeah. And I think it's significant that like the world is in a different place now than it was a year ago. And even though, you know, they, like it was very clear at the end of last season, they're pulling in a lot more true to life, very like close to current events and a lot closer to like the actual racial tension and prison industrial complex tension that happens in this country. It's like, well, we're we're living in even more of like a dystopian America right now. So like a lot of this stuff feel it feels different than it did to me a year ago, too. It does. Although I think occasionally in that regard, they do get a little bit on the nose. Like one thing that stuck out to me this episode was how everybody when they talked about having an active yeah. shooter in the prison, everybody referenced a different mass shooting. I'm like, don't be cute show. That was so weird. I wrote that down too. Uh, that I was like, are they trying to remind the audience that like, Hey, remember Netflix watchers, like stuff like this happens every day. Like, and I'm like, 
like, yeah, like I know. (laughs) And I remember all these shootings. Like this isn't like that, but sure. Uh, Or they trying to say like the COs and stuff don't even have a more nuanced context. Like I was really like thrown by that. Yeah, it, it felt it felt deliberate and it felt like maybe it didn't have enough of a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely deliberate. Really, this was very on the nose. And I I think the show is normally much better than this. Yeah, I think, uh, and I know we go away from the plot, but this is all kind of stuff I thought was interesting, is that, yeah, I totally agree it was on the nose. I think that both the show has dumbed itself down slightly. And I think that might be, you know, just kind of like, all right, we're in the fifth season, like we got to churn these out. And all like, just kind of the world being a little more woke, if you will, to some of these <laughs> issues. Uh, and so it's like, I'm like, yeah, like I have my finger on the pulse of a lot more of like Black Lives Matter movement stuff that I would have certainly a year ago and definitely four years ago. Um, so hearing them say stuff that when I was more dense to like the political climate, uh, I would have maybe thought was a lot more enlightened, uh, but also uh, is just generally like it does seem a little lowest common denominator when it's talking about stuff that probably a lot more of their audience is educated on now. Yeah, and it's sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't be nudge, nudge, wink, wink about mass shootings. Right. Yes, that's kind of not okay it's not like weird enough to be funny and it's just it was very dissonant to me yeah a lot of people i don't watch house of cards though uh if you do uh there's a lovely post show recap hosted by zach brooks and rob sister and you know about it but uh everything i'm hearing about it is people are like oh man like house of cards it's too close to reality now to be enjoyable to watch and i'm like yeah, so is this show. Like, this is hard to watch. Like, and it's, it always has been in a fictional way. Um, but now I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting older, Jess. This is <laughs> like, I'm, I'm more cynical and it's harder for me to be like, okay, yeah, like mass shootings and prison rape and stuff is, uh, is, uh, is fun for everyone. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was out. I was out with a friend last weekend who we were talking about television and she said that she can't watch any show where it's all about people being miserable. And she said that pretty much eliminates 90% of television. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, I I definitely get it as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to make a weird comparison to another prestige show for a minute because I think narratively this episode reminded me a lot of my favorite season of The Walking Dead, which is kind of odd, I know. But there was an arc in season three of The Walking Dead where everybody, the whole gang was holed up in a prison and they had this, they ended up having to leave the prison in a hurry when the gates were stormed and and the compound got overrun and everybody scattered. And all of the different people that were in the community had to all split up and they were in strange pairings in a lot of cases. Like you had Tyrese and Carol and you had Daryl and Beth and you had these little kind of groupings of people that wouldn't that you didn't normally think of as going together and how they survived together and how they found each other over time. I loved that whole arc and it 
course, culminated in this place called Terminus, and it was a whole big thing. But this episode, to me, felt a lot like everybody scattering on the way to Terminus. And everybody kind of finds their own spot in the prison to hole up when all this goes down. And some people want to be in the middle of the action. Some mm-hmm. people want to be as far away from the action as possible. And I think the easiest way to kind of go through and get caught up on what's happened and what's to come is just to kind of go through these groupings and where are they and how are they react? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Okay. So we should start off. I think we should start off with Caputo because yeah. I think Caputo is at the heart of all of this. And this was really, this was really kind of the driving force was Caputo getting into the MCC fold by the end of last season. And as of the beginning of the riot, he's in his office with this dude. And you know somebody's going to drag us in the comments for not knowing what this rando's name is. But Tight Suit Guy and Caputo Mm -hmm. are in the office. And Caputo has just screwed up royally, according to Tight Suit Guy. He has gone on record uh, Using a, his own words and not the speech prepared for him to talk about the death of Pusey. He's not pursued prosecuting Bailey. And Tight Suit Guy's like, dude, you're getting fired. And then immediately it's like, nope, you got worse things to worry about. Yeah, Tight Suit Guy was real the, really the moral compass of some of the stuff that was going on <laughs> here, which, uh, sure, um, it was kind of unfortunate in like uh, not, uh, not a necessary storytelling element, but sure. Um, as far as I know, I've only seen this one episode. Uh, and yeah, Caputo is so like, for a long time, he's been like, a a dichotomous guy. So it's like he, he was like, he's has like a history of being kind of a creepy weirdo who masturbates in his office. And then he ends up being a hero. And now he's like really in the thick of okay, like, who am I here to protect and who am I here to stand by? And still throughout the episode, like, it's pretty muddy. Like, uh, and obviously the women are trying to wrap him around their finger and get him to do what they want, and they, like, somewhat succeed at that. Uh, But he just, like, at the end of the day, like, this guy is a good guy and he's only out for himself. Like, he kind of lives in that gray area. Yeah, and I thought there was kind of a moment that was very, like, it was very emblematic of Caputo's whole whole deal when he says to Tasty, you know, I've tried for years to make any kind of difference in this prison. Maybe you'll have better luck than I did. Mm -hmm. And that's very, I think, I think that's exactly how he sees himself. And he thought he was pursuing some noble goals here and... He has made a huge mess of things, but there was really, there was no winning in his situation last season. And we find him here kind of like, I think he's out of fucks to give. Yeah. Like, I think he wants to be fired and he probably will be. So I think, but it's, and that seems to be kind of the tenor of everyone who works at the prison right now is like, let me out of here and I am never, ever, ever coming back. So uh, I wonder, I mean, uh, something that we haven't mentioned yet is that uh, this season will only take place over these three days. In uh, I read in Alan Seppenwall review where he uh, reminded us that that's like the the how I met your mother kind of uh, <laughs> final season. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. That ended super well. Um, so uh, it, it's kind of like, OK, uh, 
I would normally think like, how are we going to see Caputo journey from being in this position to wherever like his next thing is? But it's like, it's only three days. Like he might, you know, it's almost, it's, I, we've talked about this before, I think, but it's like every episode's kind of a bottle episode of Orange is New Black, but this is like an extra <laughs> bottle episode. Well, it's extra, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really funny to me how the time goes by on Orange is the New Black. I think we've talked about this in previous seasons. Like the first season covered almost an entire year. And the second season covered about half that much time. Third season was like a couple of months. Fourth season was a matter of weeks. And now we are at season five, which is going to cover three days. And I had not read that. I was wondering that same thing. Like, are we going to basically spend the entire season on this one on this one prison riot and that's how it seems to be going and I think that will be interesting in some ways and in other ways I think it's going to feel a little glacial so I hope that it will be more of a character-driven deep dive that has us thinking so hard about everything that we forget that we're only covering three days and less of a oh my god this feels like three days in real time right 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 so we have Tasty and Watson and Abdullah and Cindy are all in Caputo's office. Yeah, these were the people. This is like these uh, three, especially Tasty, and this isn't really new. Have like are the anchors here? Like I, I think they maybe not narrators really, but it's kind of like all right, this is who you check in with. Like they have the best grasp on reality, so uh, using them as kind of a uh, like the uh, like what's the word? Like, everything revolves around them. <laughs> They're the linchpin. Yes, yes. Yes. And, um, I mean, Danielle Brooks, of course, kills it in everything she does. Yeah. Um, but I have I have always loved the way that, um, like, Tasty and Technology are kind of my favorite pairing. Mm-hmm. Like, every time she learns something new about the internet, I think it's hilarious. And, um... They have decided they're going to post a video and make it viral, and they're going to need the help of a PR rep in a tight suit. Yep, easy enough. He's right there. Yep, and so they record this video. Then they upload it to a website. Looks a lot like YouTube, but it's just called Video. (laughs) uh, Yeah, something's got to give, I guess. Yeah, so they get the video up, and we'll have to see how this goes. And I, I have to confess that I, um, I'm i up to episode three at the time that we record this, so I do have a little sense of where this is headed next. But I I think my favorite thing in the whole episode was the little logo that looked like YouTube, but it just said video. <laughs> it's, it's like buying generic food. Yep. They are understandably very angry, and they are trying to get some sort of justice for their friend. Caputo is kind of, he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'll read the thing up until the point where I have to, or I have to admit that she was murdered. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, he won't take, he understands that responsibility should be taken, but he won't take responsibility and he won't throw Bailey under the bus, which is like, in a way, like, there is, like, I can understand how that would appear to be a dignified choice. And I think that uh, this is a choice, like, that someone, people make, you know, every day. It's like, who do I stand behind? And But it's like, at the end of the day, like, I think the show and the audience and me take a sympathetic view to, you know, the people that are 
murdered and they're the people in their lives. So I, I think that's, you know, we're really like they are doing a good job keeping Caputo a somewhat sympathetic character in a very unsympathetic situation. Now, Taylor, maybe you can help me out with this. This was something I wasn't clear on. And of course, the Orange is the New Black wiki is not as well maintained as I would like it to be. Although I have to give them props because every named character is in there somehow. But anyway, I what I didn't understand was why was Caputo packing all of his stuff into a box at that point? He had not formally been fired, had he? No, because they kept saying, like, you will be fired. Like, yes. But I wonder if that firing would have been imminent. Like, you will be fired today. <laughs> so go ahead and put all your stuff in the box now. Yeah, very like, preemptive, but earned. Yeah, I that seemed that seemed like kind of a weird character choice. It felt very acting schooly. It's like I'm going to do my physical action score while I'm talking to tight suit yeah. guy. And it was like he just needed to be doing something. And it 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 felt a little off to me. That's fair. And I think that probably added to my conceit that I was like, everyone's on their way out. Like no one wants to be there anymore. So it was just a little. uh yeah, I don't think it was definitely like this is Caputo's last day in the prison, but I think it was like this is probably Caputo's last day in the prison. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking of people whose last day it is in the prison, mm-hmm. let's segue over to Judy King. Yeah. Who was in a very unlikely spot at the time of this riot. And she just kind of she runs off and flees in terror and winds up in the library with Soso. And I think it really this was tender and it was kind of sweet, but the less said about this bit, the better. Like, Soso is a downer, and she admits she's a downer. She knows she is a downer. Yeah, and I, the, I, I really liked the speech on resilience. Like, I thought it was very, like, Tumblr in a way that I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, yeah. I was like, I'll eat this up. I, I was like, I can imagine, like, this is, you know, it's one of those things that's like, it probably shouldn't be. Like, it's something that's, like, on the show, it applies to, you know, a loved one getting murdered in prison. And, like, in my life, I'm like, that that's so true. <laughs> like, uh, but applicable and nice and saccharine, but uh, kind of just, uh, and just like, kind of a, a throwaway reminder that So-So is there. And uh, kind of, that was really the only Judy King moment we got, right? Yeah, and I think we did get quite a, we did get kind of a handful of these moments where mm-hmm. they're just like, hey, remember this person? They're still there. Yeah. And there was that. I think the same thing, the same thing is probably true of Red's friend Frida, who is, you know, as you know, is one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And the white power girls, um, I think, Arguably, you know, Angie and Leanne got that moment where it's like, okay, you're in there for a little bit of levity, but you don't really do much to drive the plot. Um, Yeah. And honestly, I thought that was like maybe not the choice I would have made for this episode. Like if they and I'm kind of like, if you're going to do heavy stuff, do heavy stuff. Like I think and I think that's what a lot of us expected is like coming back and like we're going to see the fallout of an actual, you know, someone being murdered in prison. And what's the emotional fallout of that? And the levity to me seemed kind of out of place. Um, And I like. Yeah, and just kind of the snapshots of like everyone, everyone's goings on during the riot. I'm like, let's like take it a little seriously if we have the opportunity to. 
Yeah. Like we also didn't necessarily need Piper and Alex like trying to find yeah. a place to fool around. Right. Exactly. I, I don't mean to be totally down on the episode. Like there were certainly moments in here that I thought worked better as far as like injecting a little bit of humor and lightness to the episode. But I think this episode highlighted for me like almost perfectly how unnecessary Piper and Alex are, like how much they have run their course. Like we are already in the world of Litchfield. We do not need someone to continue to bring us in. Right. And I think that um, there was, I think, a moment in the beginning where Piper is like, is this a moment? Uh, is this pro- is this progress or is this or like, yeah. and I was like, this is self parody. Like this is they, I think that everyone is very self-aware of like Piper is now, you know, entitled white girl. And she kind of was always that, but the, uh, the climate has changed. The show has changed. And there have been moments like this in the past that were just they were a little more interesting. It's like Piper inadvertently becomes head of the white power movement. Like that's still character development. This, I think, is like that being her first line. I was like, oh, God, like the writers are now self-aware and Piper is going to become this like even the thing like I don't like Piper will try to solve these problems with like hummus or like you know like I like she's gonna be and I don't know if that will continue to be the issue I just really hope it isn't I hope that you can like Piper or not like Piper but I think writing her off as someone that like doesn't deserve like a fully realized story also kind of sucks Yeah. And I think if you don't give her something interesting to do, it really coming back to her repeatedly really does feel like, well, I think we really need to hear from the privileged white girl contingent now. Like, what is what does she think of all of this? And it was kind of like over on Hulu, they are showing this very excellent series based on Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. And they recently had an entire episode devoted to, yes, but what do the men in this story think of all of this? And I I just want to be like, that's not the point of the story. Yeah. That's, I don't need it. And the fact that you're going there just keeps calling attention to what's really needed. Yeah, I agree. They did something similar on Girls a couple years ago and it was like, well, okay. (laughs) Not (laughs) what the show's called, but. Yep. (laughs) Right, right. So I do think there's some interesting room for Piper to grow as a character or at least show some entertaining moments um if she is going to be stuck babysitting someone who's even less clued into this world than she is if she's going to be dragging linda from purchasing around for the whole season <laughs> i i'm here for that yeah linda from purchasing i is a fun character uh and i don't I, and she's someone i don't mind being a two-dimensional you know uh kind of joke machine like oh let's like look at this person like what a stranger in a strange place uh but yeah the show wasn't originally about her and she hasn't been on you know 50 episodes so uh sure like let's just you know go on adventures with her yeah that i think i think that's okay and i thought like the moment where i feel like she really started to be fleshed out was last season when she admits to caputo that she has never actually been inside the prison and she doesn't actually know anything about it and i think this will be a wake-up call for her and i kind of i'm kind of looking forward to that yeah i think it'll be interesting i'm i'm excited to see uh what she does we 
should kind of go through like a few of the other odd pairings here. Like obviously Boo and Pensatucky together is always magical. Yeah, they were kind of more uh, they're so like I think a, a real testament to like two of the best actresses on the show is like they're so believable and real and uh, have a lot like I they're the humor that comes from them just seems so earned and I, I like it a lot. Yeah, you couldn't stick any two characters in the commissary and have them talk about snacks for the entire episode and have that work like these are the only two characters who could make that work and you can see where it doesn't work where you have like nikki and morello and angie yeah. and and the you know giggling about give me the drugs that didn't work quite as well as this did right especially uh the dichotomy between like drugs like what a fun adventure and like drugs what uh you know a harrowing path <laughs> like it, they felt really different um but yeah i give me more boo and pensatucky and I I think uh, the show doesn't need to tell all doesn't need to dedicate equal time to every single person. And I think uh, this I can understand that it's probably challenging to be on a show where it's like, OK, well, the side like, the, you know, the B characters really outshone the A characters. And then there were C characters that outshone the B characters. And it's probably very challenging and like writing enough for everyone and finding interesting things for everyone to do and at this point i'm like just let's double down on what works like let's give more let's do a whole boom pensatucky episode yeah uh let's do a whole tasty episode it's so compelling and i uh the distractions uh i i don't care for it <laughs> yeah and then they've got an embarrassment of yeah. talent like so many incredible actors on the show. Um, and of course, this brings me to my favorite game that we like to play at the beginning of every season of Orange is the New Black, which is um, which character is which who is the most pointless character who's going to get a flashback episode devoted entirely to this? All right, let me pull up the list of characters. Um, let's see. <laughs> a full disclosure. Again, I have watched ahead to, to yeah, episode see. three and and I will say there are. The next two episodes contain two flashback episodes, one of which felt very pointless and one of which I was totally here for. All right. I will say um, Caputo's girlfriend. What's her name? Linda from Linda Purchasing. Linda from Purchasing. And all right, I'll put money down on two of them. I'll say Linda from Purchasing and I will say uh, I'll, I'll give I'll like it's uh, picking like the uh, non- inmates is kind of a cop out so i'll pick one inmate too that will get one i say we get i don't know i feel like we got so many pointless ones last time i don't know if we'll get another one you know what i'm gonna say piper Ugh. yeah uh that's uh we don't need another piper flashback i feel like i've seen piper's entire life play out in real time on right the show. yeah i say we right. get some sort of piper flashback that's something like some insignificant that sparks something that happens you know like it's something it's not it's it has no greater context it's kind of like the one we got for uh, maritza last season it's like oh she steals cars so like that informs <laughs> the way she like does whatever she did like you know something that just kind of informs a basic personality trait uh so yeah in the case of maritza at least like that episode kind of built up to her having to eat the baby mm -hmm. mouse. Was that the same episode? I don't think yeah. it was. Like, I was about to say, yeah, it was the episode that led up to her doing it. And then I realized, no, it didn't. And 
then I realized again that the writers kind of tend to just be like, well, this person hasn't gotten a flashback and this actor really needs a good showcase. So let's put him in a bad wig and give him a flashback episode. And we get so many of those where they, you can tell they're like trying just like cram this square peg into the round hole of the plot. And, you know, I was saying last season, like we're going to get a Kukudio flashback and thankfully we didn't. But I could see that happening this season. I could see, I could see them yeah. like going back to the season one well, and we could get like Gina or somebody yeah. random like that. Uh, I think, although I think we got enough tantalizing details, I think we're going to get a Piscatella flashback this this season. Yeah, that would be okay. I'm like, yeah, not in love with getting too many CO flashbacks because I don't know. I don't feel like I need to be endeared to them, <laughs> but maybe they'll be that. Mm. You know. We will spend some time on the Piscatella flashback, of course, watching him engage in his tablescape Exciting. It's exciting stuff. But they dropped a big hint, I think, into his past. Yeah. Last season, if you'll recall, they said something when they brought him on that, you know, you can't work at the maximum security men's facility facility anymore. Um, so let's hope it doesn't go this badly here. Right. We Or something like that. And we that. know he is gay, so... Who knows? And we know he's got he's got the badge of an inmate from that facility. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of keeping it around his office, which Red found this episode. So this is tantalizing. I think they want us to think it's going one way and maybe we will be surprised that it goes a completely different way. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good bet. Like if we don't get a flashback, we're definitely going to get a uh, a uh, long conversation between him and red or uh something with a lot of info that we get a lot of information from him yeah there will be it'll be somebody like red will uncover it and it will give her leverage against him i think i think that's where we're going with that my other thought is that we may well get a humps flashback where we finish out that rambling story he was telling about the frogs yeah I, uh, that would be interesting. I was really like, my favorite moment of the episode was when he was telling that story and I was like, oh God. And then, uh, I forget who it was in the episode. It was like, or it might have been Daya. I was like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear your stupid story. Like, and that's exactly how I felt in that moment. So it was, uh, I, I, uh, I liked that a lot. Yeah. And again, this is one of those things that loses its sense of urgency when you're not binging it. Like we went a year between Diet mm-hmm. pointing that gun at him and the resolution to this story. So I really had cooled off in the humps department. I was not I was not as angry and like full of self-righteous. Yeah, I should have been like, you know, F yeah, keep kicking him in the head after you shot him in the dick almost. And I had to struggle to remember like I why am I happy that he's getting kicked around like this? Oh, right. Now I remember some of the terrible things he did and is. And that took a minute. And I appreciated the complexity. Once I was fully back into that universe, I appreciated the complexity of Sophia's plight, where mm-hmm. she is the only person qualified to treat him and really does not want to because he's a terrible human being. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, st- I thought an interesting part of the episode was another dia moment where like she really realizes the weight of what she has done and uh i think there dia is uh a very interesting character and someone who i think really is fully realized in a very nuanced way because her kind of thing is like she's not super smart 
or thoughtful, but like is very, very brash and bold. And she's not she's not dumb in a way that like TV characters are often dumb. She's just kind of dumb in a way that she's like young and like not doesn't think through every part of her action. So to see her really realize like, oh, my God, I've made a huge mistake was very compelling. And I'm interested uh, in her storyline, maybe more than anyone else is uh, in the coming episodes. Yeah, but on the other hand, I feel like Daya got that actions have consequences plot arc when she was pregnant for three yeah, years. True. <laughs> so there, there's yeah. that. Um, I think the actress that plays her is pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think this could go somewhere interesting for sure for her. And I also think this is Gloria's moment. Yeah. Like Gloria's having a great episode um, because she's also like she doesn't really – care if humps lives or dies either except in that daya is kind of like a surrogate daughter to her and if humps dies then this has repercussions not just for daya but pretty much for everybody in that prison yeah and i think they really laid that out in an interesting way uh so i thought those scenes were very i agree i thought that was those were all the best parts of the episode um something else about humps not that this is really important but i feel like this actor is popping up everywhere. Like he was on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and he was on an yes. SVU episode I just watched. And uh, I was like, oh, like, and then I've had to look it up every time. I'm like, who is that guy? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 humps. So uh, he's probably trying to get out there and uh, get some less evil roles on his uh, resume. Well, I think it's kind of the same way that uh, Pablo Schreiber all of a sudden started showing up everywhere after he did Orange is the yeah. Black. Like he stops being porn stash and then all of a sudden he's on every show ever. And most recently on American Gods, which is has been fantastic. Ooh, so I haven't watched that, but I love Pablo Schreiber. So. Yeah, he is. A, he's a leprechaun. Oh, <laughs> cool. And that's as weird as it uh, that is actually as weird as oh, it sounds. Uh, I will check it out. And while most everybody on this show is an amazing actor, they've got a new guard this season. I think his name is Davis. And he was like maybe one of the worst actors I've ever seen on this or any show. It's uh, <laughs> people are coming in and like it, it feels kind of like an SVU in the sense it's like, oh, you're a New York actor. Like you'll end up on this show. Oh, yeah. sure. Sure. And yeah, we had this guy who was just like kind of over emoting in that way that feels very forced. Like, where the hell is Caputo? <laughs> and I was like, I, I hope this guy gets better. Yeah. Like, he's he's very good looking, and maybe he'll have a moment, and maybe maybe that'll be the random flashback. Yeah. And yeah, I would love. It would be funny to have a flashback uh, through with someone who's like <laughs> you know kind of broad strokes. Yeah, I, well, I think the best thing would be if they just. If they did like the full on, um, I'm going to call this the expose moment, sort of like um, in the infamous episode of Lost, where they just like all of a sudden these two characters were here and nobody liked them and nobody wanted them. And they tried to force them down our throats and then killed them almost as quickly. I think it would be very, very funny if there was an episode this season where we just did like a deep dive flashback into a character nobody <laughs> had ever seen before. Yeah. That would be funny. And I think that would be earned like in a lot of ways, like all we, you know, they make a lot of point each season to say something like this is only one small subsection of what's going on in a giant prison and then, you know, all over the country. So, yeah. So I think we've hit all the high points. 
wouldn't you say? I think like there's a few other like small bits. But again, this was one of these very scattered episodes where we just want to check in with everybody very briefly. And I think we'll come back to them in detail as the season goes on. And I wanted to take a minute to let you guys know how we're going to be covering this episode this whole season. And I am saddened to tell you that we're really only going to be doing two Mm -hmm. episodes. So once Taylor and I get through the whole series, we'll come back and we'll do a kind of a recap of how everything went. But we wanted to get you guys back in, get you caught up and up to speed with where everybody was um, going into this season premiere. And then once everything wraps and we've watched it, we will talk about the whole season in general. Um, And hopefully we'll have a chance I would imagine it's going to be just as scattered as this. Yeah. But um, as this goes on, I, I really encourage you guys to reach out to us on social media and talk about it episode by episode. We'd love to break it down with you in as much detail as possible through alternative channels. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're happy to talk about it. I think that uh, this will, uh, in a lot of ways, give us an opportunity to really talk about the meat of everything that's happening and uh, just not the things that I find annoying about each individual episode. So. Uh, we're happy to uh, uh, talk about the little things and the jokes and the people you like and the flashbacks you like on Twitter. Yes. Um, and of course, you know, we do have to kind of take a moment to get get into a couple of these little things. Like I have a couple of questions for you, sure. Taylor. Just a little bit of rapid fire. Um, so which nickname do you like better, Floritza or Maraca? Definitely Floritza. Like Maraca, I get it, but I think Floritza marries the hearts of their names. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I am team Floritza. Team Floritza. I think it's, I think it's going to catch yeah. on. It's going to be a thing. I, I agree. I think like this is probably already a thing on the internet. I would be surprised if, uh, this hasn't already hit. No, that's yeah. a good point. So, uh, more improbable name. Amelia Von Barlow or Artesian McCullough? Oh, I love both of these. Uh, these are, are perfect names. Uh, Artesian is so good. I couldn't believe that. As, uh, I, like, I'm going to go with, uh, I think Artesian McCullough is, a, is hmm, more improbable. Yeah, I'll go for the characters that they are and those people. I would say Artesian McCullough is a worse fit. <laughs> Yeah, because you look at her and she seems like she seems kind of basic. Yep. And her name was you see on her shirt, it says a McCullough and you Mm -hmm. kind of assume it's like Amanda or Allison or something like that. And Artesian is pretty great. And it's also apparently a town in South Dakota. Yeah, who knew? I thought it was like uh, a type of snack, you know something you would get in a nature box (laughs) yeah or at least like you know a brand of soap that smells like almonds yes so over under number of times that red's snoring bunkmate is going to break her nose this episode (laughs) uh i'll i'll go with uh two okay i think that's fair enough grossest thing this episode humps's junk lingering shots of open wounds gina smearing menstrual blood all over her face uh, I would, I honestly had to look away during the, uh, uh, the, uh, humps is, humps getting shot in the blood and, uh, them taking his pants off. So I will go with that. I couldn't, couldn't stomach it. Yeah. I, I think I, I appreciate the, all that's being done in the name of gender equality to start showing full frontal male nudity on all of these episodes of various prestige television shows. But yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've seen all the peen I need to see this year. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is it's a huge step for it for equality, but um, uh, the, yeah, it, I couldn't stomach it. And, and once again, it's like I appreciate the social justice nod here, but you know, put some underwear on, dude. Mm-hmm. All right, so Taylor, I think that brings us to the end of our first episode recap. Um, where can people find you in the social media world? Hit me up on Twitter at Taylor Cotter. Alrighty, and you can find me on the Twitter as always at Haymaker Hattie. And please let us know as you're getting through the episodes. Like, don't worry about where we're at. Like, don't worry about spoiling things for us. Yeah, I we're, don't care. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're we're mature. We can handle it. Um, yeah, we we got through we got through this lackluster episode with all of its gore and male nudity and etc. We can get through anything, right? Yes. Yeah. The the least of my worries is being spoiled and i planned on kind of getting through most of this over the weekend anyway yeah me as well i I will be binging and we definitely want to hear how you're doing with your binges as well so please hit us up on the twitter or leave a comment on postshowrecaps.com especially it's important this season because we are down to two episodes and um if we don't get a good reception we might be down to zero episodes so (laughs) So make sure you make it, you make your voice heard. Let us let us know how you're doing and that you're tuning in and we want to hear all your feedback. So you can also, of course, rate and review us in the iTunes store if that's how you're still getting your podcasts. But however we hear from you, we definitely want to hear from you. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll be back here in a week or so with our entire season rundown. So thanks again for listening. Thanks, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 